0: Howdy, 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 howdy.
1: What's up, our feeble? I was going to say folks, and then our feeble. And
0: then, yep. <laughs> what up, feeble? <laughs> Damn it. Brand new episode of Potty Mouth Poopcast. We're your hosts, Carla Serrato and Sarah Sophia Serato. Our guest today is host of the podcast Grief Unplugged, a podcast that empowers professional women to unmask their pain, leverage their emotions, and transform their trauma into triumph. I would add, Sweet. not it's not just for professional women. Mm-hmm. I think that men or anyone else really can... Mm-hmm. Got a lot from the podcast, so don't shy away. I agree. All you non-womens. Also, our guest is a certified grief recovery method specialist. She is CEO and founder of the H Squared Group, LLC, a grief recovery and coaching practice currently based in Washington, D.C. She
1: also offers coaching, workshops, seminars, training, audits, and more to lawyers, firms, universities on well-being, grief, and diversity
0: and inclusion. She is the heart healer, the heart with ears. Ladies and gentlemen, we give you Heather Heather D. Horton. Horton. Cool. So our first question that we have for you is, what is your favorite aspect of what you do?
2: My favorite aspect of what I do is helping my clients to release their pain and to heal their hearts, pain from their past that they have stuffed down and are not really conscious of until something happened like like the pandemic and then all of those emotions come flooding forth but being able to release my clients from past pain and to teach them how to manage their emotions um so that they can manage any change or loss that comes in their lives going forward
0: is there a downside to like do you, is there anything you like you wish wasn't part of what the work that you do
2: no, I mean, I love what I do. I don't really like the back office stuff, but it has nothing to do with actual interaction with a client because I am in essence giving people their lives back.
0: Yeah. yeah. Yes, absolutely.
2: So I love what I do.
0: It'd be really cool to know. How do you prepare for, I mean, these have to be very difficult like type of conversations that you have with people. Are there certain processes that you have for yourself? Like you know, I'm a, I'm an actor and I'll like, before an audition, I will get myself in a certain mindset. I'll maybe do an exercise or two. Do you have any kind of process like that for yourself?
2: I pray and I do some breathing. Yeah. Breathing is very important. (laughs) Breathing, reading, and, you know, just preparing myself for whatever may come up because yes, this is difficult work. This is not easy work. I'm not, I don't want to to sound like this is easy work. It's not easy work for me or the the client, but I've done my work. So mm-hmm. there's really nothing that will shake me. You've got to have done your work and it's a continuous thing. It's not a one and done.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
2: Correct. Mm-hmm. Because what, what we don't understand about grief and which is part of my message to the world is that, we experience grief every day. We just don't label it as that.
0: Oh. Yeah, every Whoa. time we
2: lose something or every time something changes, that's a grief experience, whether it's a big L or a little mm-hmm. L. Yeah. It's not until the big L's come that we even think about the little L's. Yeah.
1: yeah. Wow. That's kind of true. You know, I can kind of see that like when, um, like when I'm, ex- okay, this is like probably sounds ridiculous, but when I'm expecting <laughs> to have like a certain meal, <laughs> And then, like all of a sudden, plans change, and I was like, "Well, I was expecting to have eggs for breakfast for for dinner, but (laughs) now I have to go make myself a sandwich." And it's like, even though I love sandwiches, it's like, I guess the loss of that option of eggs (laughs) is like it kind of bums me out for like a little bit, and then I get back on track, like, "Yeah, you know," then I love sandwiches and I plan it out. But is that kind of like what you're talking about, or am I being completely ridiculous right now? That
2: is exactly (laughs) it. But it's those little things. We pr- sometimes stuff down and we don't process. Oh, wow. Yeah. But when we don't process okay. those little things, they become cumulative and then they become cumulatively negative. And then our hearts are clouded, which then can lead cool. to mental illness. It's your heart. It Everything starts with your heart first. Wow. Yes. I kind of agree. <laughs> Yeah. Well, we're still here. We're like processing. We're, all this information. We're, like we're
1: marinating. I love it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, I, I did have a question come up, like when you were talking about how how it can be really intense and just like a lot to process when you're working with someone and for yourself. Is there anything that you do after like a really intense session or a- after any session? Like, do you go and just dance it out in your garage or just what do you do to kind of separate yourself from the lives and working with other people? When they're going, when you're counseling them,
2: I do a lot of self-care. Um, again, I'll pray again. I do a lot of praying That's how I work through a lot. You know <laughs> that I'm able to. Well, literally, I pray for whatever may have come up in the session. Okay, uh-huh. mm-hmm. I'm literally most of the times with a client for eight weeks at a minimum. Wow. Okay, we're working through a process, and each week we go deeper and deeper hmm. And so when things come up um, and I know they've got a process that on their own while, you know, between the week, you know, on the week that we meet, between the times that we meet. I'm, you know, just interceding for them and, and hoping that they continue the process or they trust the process, because, again, like I said, this is not easy work, mm-hmm. um, but there is a process and everything you want is on the other side of that process.
1: Mm-hmm. and and that actually kind of plays into one of our questions was uh, some people expect people to get over grief in like a certain amount of time like like if someone's parent dies then it's like well you know you've been crying for three months you know time to buck you know up. get over it buck up yeah <laughs> kind of thing and,
0: and or even five years you're like oh you're yeah, still after years mm-hmm. feeling that way oh uh,
1: yeah. yeah so like what can you tell us about that about like the timelines of people's grief and how I know that sometimes it can come back like it just happened yesterday after even
2: years of processing yes, the, it, the grief. It's because the, you haven't processed it mm. that it recycles. Wow. I like I saw the question: mm-hmm. What you resist persists. Mm-hmm. Wow, oh, my mom says it all my, the
1: time. Wow. Whoa, <laughs> flashes of Sarah. <laughs>
2: yeah.
1: my mom's name is also Sarah.
0: <laughs> She's a, our mother is a um, among many things mm-hmm. a pastoral counselor and. And she's very much into spirituality spirituality and and, and just many, all these things. And she's always trying to educate us. (laughs) And it's like, that's one of the things that she says, like, just often. Often. you resist, persists. (laughs) But she says it in Spanish. So Mm -hmm. it sounds Ah, like a song now. (laughs) Lo que (laughs) resistes, persistes. That's what it sounds like. I should make a song of that. (laughs) Oh,
2: man I mean I have in my life that really I mean it was just that my parents got divorced when I was a junior in college mm-hmm. and I, my dad and I didn't have the best relationship before then but when he left my mother I just he was just the scum of the earth
0: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and
2: so I carried that anger and hate for him for 30 plus years wow mm-hmm. and thought that it had no impact on the rest of my life and that was just not true at all, mm-hmm. right because he relationships are indicators of how you relate with male and female people mm-hmm. in life yeah and but I just thought, well, you know, I learn what I learn from him, I know how to take care of myself, and i'm I don't need him mm-hmm. and it really what happened was at the peak of my legal career. I met one of my supervisors was a person like my dad, and because I ran from that relationship, I ran from that job. Oh wow! Mm-hmm. process it. I didn't know how to handle that, mm-hmm. and so my only instinct was to run. And I didn't realize that when I left. Uh huh. Right. That was
0: that was something that just came up. I was like, "Did you know that at the time?" Yeah. <laughs>
2: No. uh, I just knew that I was physically, I felt physically ill every time I came into work and I felt like the work that I was doing no longer aligned with my values Mm -hmm. and I needed to leave, but I didn't know why.
0: Mm -hmm. Right. Wow. (laughs) That's really interesting that you were able to feel that and listen to it enough Mm -hmm. to, to let that guide your decision-making. A lot of us well, people we'll in general, be like, well, I need yeah. the money and I need to have. Yeah, this we'll push stop. through that. We'll ignore it or suppress it and be like, okay, mm-hmm. moving on. <laughs> like, I don't know what this is, but I didn't have a plan B. I wow. just was like, I can't be here anymore. <laughs> it was
2: just that clear to me. I can't be here anymore.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow, that's intuitive. <laughs> <laughs> intuitive, that's uh, a good word. Yeah. Uh, so, are there what uh, what can you tell us in, about, about grief in general? I feel like we we're at least in, in our world, we're kind of st- like when we think about grief, it's a very it feels kind of like a 1980s kind of explanation. Oh, there's 10 stages of grief. And first there's anger and then there's this and then there's acceptance. What has anything changed as far as research patterns that you may have noticed? Or is it still pretty much that? <laughs>
2: yeah. For one... The five stages that we all know, mm-hmm. uh, denial, anger, bargaining, depression, acceptance, mm-hmm. those are not stages of grief. What? Those are actually the stages that a person who is diagnosed with a terminal illness goes through.
1: Huh. Whoa, twist. Can you explain <laughs> a little bit more? Yeah,
0: tell us more. What?
2: Dr. Elizabeth Kubler-Ross, who's who created those five stages, her work has been distorted she's even spoken to that she never created those stages for them to be attached to grief oh
0: my gosh no way okay well just like i got goosebumps like oh just to remind our (laughs) listeners we're millennials and of course we like we're we're in our own like holes of (laughs) you know what we what we're paying attention to but Mm -hmm. this is blowing my mind yeah
2: (laughs) (laughs) yeah i mean because if you look at them these stages apparently you're supposed to go through each of those in order, yeah. but some of those happen when we deal with change and loss. Right, right. There is no denial. If a person dies, there's no denial. They're dead. Oh, oh. I see. I see. Okay, okay. Mm-hmm. You may not get angry. Mm-hmm. There may be no depression. You may never get to acceptance.
0: So, what do we tell people? Like, how? Mm-hmm. What? What is the information? that people are given these days mm-hmm. about what grief's going to look like.
2: Well, here's here's a simple definition that blows people's minds, but grief is just that simple,
0: mm-hmm. but
2: it's a big thing. Mm-hmm. It is the normal and natural reaction to any change or loss that happens, any change or loss of any kind. It's the normal and natural reaction. And we don't want, we are not open to, Normal reactions when things happen. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: Does it vary widely from person to person?
2: It would depend on your experience. It is unique for everyone. If that's what you're asking.
0: Yeah, mm-hmm. I'm like so. What I'm connecting here is like I listen to a lot of true crime podcasts because I'm basic. <laughs> 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 and no argument there. <laughs> and there's there are some podcast hosts that are they talk a lot about. um Well, you never know how someone's going to react because let's say they're talking about a murder that happens and a family member discovers the scene. Mm -hmm. They say, well, you know, and then they call, you know, emergency services and stuff. Everyone always pretty much kind of looks at that person a little bit suspiciously Mm -hmm. because if there was no one else there, you're going to be looked at. So when, when there's like all these eyes on you and you're acting in a way that people would say isn't normal it's like well what is normal like you don't know how someone's going to react when there's something super shocking that happens yeah so it's like i think i think that's well that's what i'm when i said that's what i'm connecting here like is it really that like do we even know what normal is for for like grief for processing grief yeah yeah Yeah.
2: is crying but people don't like to cry Mm -hmm. they feel like that is a sign of weakness Mm -hmm. it's not because when you cry, you're releasing toxins from the body. And if you don't cry, that remains in the body and may cause disease. Yeah. You know, oh. I actually have read a lot
1: about that, especially around like the more of like the spiritualistic holistic side of like medicine, like um, like functional medicine and all those kinds of, I guess, more new age thoughts is like emotions carry a lot yep. of what create the ill. The illness and disease <laughs> in our bodies
2: It's like yes. unprocessed
1: <laughs> emotions.
2: Yes, <laughs> and I—that is what I want people to realize. We always hear mental health, mental health, mental health. Yeah,
0: mm-hmm.
2: we only get to mental health when you're no—you're just at capacity and you have not managed your emotions. Yeah, yeah. When, when it's
0: kind of a little too late, <laughs> yeah. like like people in a, going to marriage counseling when all the shit's gone down already. <laughs>
2: <laughs> it's never <it's laughs> too late if the, both people are open. Because if they, the two people involved are willing to work it out, there is a way. Mm-hmm. But it's hard. And they've got to be ready to do the hard work. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people aren't. Yeah. 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 The hard work yields the best fruit. Even though I thought my relationship with my dad was lost. Yeah. Because that happened, I guess I was in my 20s when I was a junior in college. Mm-hmm. But um, when it hit me that, oh, I really need to do this work. I was forty five, oh but the thing is, is I now feel like the little girl that was hurt back in the day, but not. I'm not hurt anymore. Mm-hmm. When I say I feel like the little girl, I have that much fun with my dad now.
0: Oh yeah. wow, that's that's pretty remarkable. Mm-hmm.
2: It is possible, and I honestly wish I had, you know, done this work earlier because my dad's now
0: seventy
2: three, mm-hmm. and who knows how long anybody has. Mm-hmm. True. And so we've lost all those years.
0: Now, Heather, when you say this work, do you mean like the, the, your entire journey or specifically like the grief? um...
2: Yeah. Grief work, actually processing your emotions around a, a particular event Mm -hmm. and processing your emotions around a relationship Mm -hmm. because usually it's not a thing that's causing you grief. It's a relationship.
1: Okay. Like a relationship to just the, like a thing or like a person,
2: or the expectation. Yeah, hopes, dreams, expectations. Yes, but that usually relates to a person.
0: Mm.
2: You can always direct it back to a person. Like for instance, with COVID right now,
0: mm-hmm.
2: people want to blame COVID, right? But if they really looked at what was happening, if their job ended or something mm-hmm. like that, the pain from that could be from a relationship at work. Yeah, it could still be the career, mm-hmm. but it's usually tied to a person. I feel
1: like also, well, I mean, what about people who were, like, self-employed? And so it's, like, now they lost all these opportunities for, like, gig work or, or clients. And so it's, like, how, how is that I can towards that a down. person? Like, because, I mean, I yeah. guess for me, I would see it more of, like, the relationship to, like, how am I going, like, the responsibilities in mm-hmm. my life. Cause that's basically kind of like why anyone goes to work or at least most people.
0: <laughs> wow. Like kind of you really hotel. told us about yourself there.
1: Sarah. <laughs> well, I'm not going to lie. I, I don't yeah. want to work. I don't like it. You're a
0: millennial. Of course you don't.
1: <laughs> I don't... Yikes. Yeah. No, yeah. I want to go on cruises and travel the world and take pictures and post them on Instagram. That's all I want to do in my life. <laughs> uh, so yeah, like I've um, like, for example that, you know, like, I feel like that would be where I would be at—not grief, but like
2: Um,
1: in—in like the how am I going to pay my bills? Like the worry of that—that's what like I would feel hmm. bring me down and like be bummed out or depressed or something because I can't fulfill Mm -hmm. the responsibilities in my life.
0: Would that be something about like a relationship with yourself? It could be. Yes, (laughs) I pointed my finger at her.
2: (laughs) You hit the nail on the head. Well, because, <laughs> because here's the thing. The the pandemic has given people the option to do anything. Wow. And if you're just Whoa. Yeah, if you're wallowing in what was, mm-hmm. you can't move forward.
0: Yeah. Whoa. Yeah, can we keep talking about the pandemic? Sure. <laughs> yeah. What if anything have you seen a change in? I know for instance my therapist started got just inundated with clients. Oh. She was no longer very available. <laughs> <laughs> um, same as my mom, she got a bunch, mm-hmm. um, a bunch more people. Mm-hmm. Like at the um, kind of mid or like summerish, yeah, in twenty twenty, when
1: people were feeling like, okay, this is not going to go away. We're going to have to
0: find a way. To, right. You know, so, kind of uh, did you emotions? see th- a peak like that in? in, in clients for yourself? I didn't because
2: a lot of people don't want to do, they don't want to do the work. Ah. They just want everything to be fixed ah. and that's just not what works. Yeah.
1: How do you propose things to, when you, when someone comes in or talks to you or is referred to you, do you tell them like what to expect through, for your sessions? Like, is that, cause how do they know that they're not going to do the work, you know, when they come to you or that there is work to do?
2: What, what usually happens is somebody else wants a person to do work
1: because uh, they're there. Oh,
2: bingo. Yeah. <laughs> and I don't take people because of that. Mm-hmm. My, my premise is the person has to be ready. And when they're ready, we can work together. Absolutely. Yeah. And you're not wasting your <laughs> time. Yeah. yeah you can't force someone to make the choice to do the work. The person who's going to go through it has to be ready. What kind of work do do you have them do? Is it like like little paperwork? Is it
1: questions and journaling they have to do, or like do you have them like go talk to the people that hurt them, or like write notes to them or something? I don't know.
2: I don't have them go and talk to the people that hurt them because that can be mega. They may be attacked by the people that hurt them yeah, okay. because That's true. on the other end is not ready for that. Mm-hmm. If you come and say, "Well, I need to forgive you for this." Well, and they're like, well, what? I didn't do anything to you. Well, what are you talking boy, about? Yeah. <laughs> and then, there you go, and you undo all of the work that you've done on yourself. Okay. I actually facilitate the grief recovery method program. Through that process, we help the I help the client to relearn what grief is because most be, because most people don't know what grief is. Is it like us? They just think, <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, yeah. Because I'm I, I'm feeling like <laughs> I don't
1: know what grief is anymore. Nope. So yes, yeah, no. please, sorry, proceed. <laughs> what is
2: grief? <laughs> Grief, again, is the normal natural reaction to any change or loss. And I'm going to tell you how it shows up. People use the word burnout and stress. That's great. Huh. Um, change in your finances, whether you they increase or decrease. Oh, that's grief.
1: Interesting.
2: And the reason is because, you know, if you get more money, you still need to figure out what to do with it. <laughs> you still need to figure out what you what what how you're going to continue we right? call that
0: charlie brown grief good grief oh <laughs> oh carla <laughs> good
2: grief <laughs> yeah, i like that one <laughs> but, but also divorce is a really huge a grief experience and the reason i say that is because people think it's only the two parties involved mm-hmm. but it's the children it's people, their, it's their friends, it's their family, everybody that they know is impacted by their divorce, mm-hmm. but people don't realize the magnitude of a divorce. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. When people experience empty nest, that's mm-hmm. a grief experience. Yeah. That's a change.
1: We actually know, uh, we met a podcaster at Potfest last year. Mm-hmm. Um, she has a whole podcast and it's actually called the, um, the empty nest coach. Yeah. Cause she, I think, think she knows all about this she has a podcast on, on all that. Like that's the whole, that's her whole topic because like, that's just how big it is. You know, when your kids leave, leave the nest. Yeah. And my mom told me a bit about how she, um, she didn't know, like in, in our culture, the, the kids leaving the nest, it's usually not till like later in life, like when they get married and they move out of the house, you know, but then by then they're, it's, it's still a grief experience right right so here like when my, when my sister and i left to college like college she wasn't prepared for that like no one in her social circle would tell her like that she was a, to expect that so right but she kind of took you know um the bull by the horns and um and she joined a gym like started doing more workouts and stuff and, mm-hmm. and just you know keeping herself busy so yeah it's just yeah. funny how grief it, it is like, <laughs> like you said, it, it's an everyday kind of situation. It's not just, you know, when it someone is. passes
2: away. Right. Well, and there's six myths about grief that, you know, we think are the truth, but they really aren't. When we're told not to feel bad. Mm-hmm. Oh, right. Yeah. We're telling people not to feel. That's
1: I can definitely see that. And that yeah. is very, probably very harming to someone to tell them. <laughs> not to feel like you know you're supposed to process the emotions no matter how dramatic right. other people
2: but might see that you're doing it you know we use a lot of intellectual comments I can kind
1: of um I can kind of see that like when someone's pet dies and people mm-hmm. don't expect you to like they're like my god they're like you're acting like your family member died or something pet loss is huge <sighs> yeah. because
2: pets give unconditional
1: love unlike people my sister actually <laughs> like lost her dog a couple I'm years back. ago unexpectedly he was only 2 and yeah it was it was very shocking to me seeing mm-hmm. seeing you carla
2: mm-hmm.
1: like go through that because it was it was I have never seen you that sad <sighs> in my entire life and it like I was like well that <sighs> broke my sister <laughs> and yeah. I still feel like I see it sometimes you know like
0: that sadness of of not having him around yeah yeah oh. it was yeah. weird because yeah I I I knew um, it wasn't going to, I, I knew people, I knew how I saw other people mm-hmm. just kind of like, it seemed like move on. I oh, felt like yeah. I already anticipated what the expectation was going to be. Mm-hmm. And that kind of gave me a little bit of panic, yeah. but then like feeling it, it's like, yeah, it's, and then you don't feel like you can talk about it a year later. Cause it's like, well, even months later. But then more so a year later, I'm like, um, I still really grieve my dog. (laughs) And who am I going to talk to who's going to be like, yeah, that's, that's pretty normal. Like, or, you know, like, like, no, like I felt kind of crazy, you know, mm -hmm. but reading up on it helped.
2: Yeah. And there are options. You can talk to people like me who are grief recovery method specialists. Mm -hmm. We work with. I saw that on your website. I was like, yes, (laughs) (laughs) I actually have to process the grief around that too, because your pet was a person
0: <laughs> in my
2: heart. Yeah, he was. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, really? I, I don't have pets, but I have friends who have had pets and who have had pets die. And I grieved with them. Mm-hmm. It's real. Mm-hmm. And like I said, it is unconditional love. The only other person we get unconditional love from mm-hmm. is maybe God or our parents.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's kind of true. And let me tell you, you, if you loved something, mm-hmm. you will
0: grieve when that changes or you lose it. Oh yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> oh yeah. I mean, and That's then that so that also ties us back to the pandemic, like people lost mm. so much. Yeah. In in, in like and like you said Heather, like in in the in the micro things, in the macro mm-hmm. like all these levels of change, constant change. Constant
1: change. Yeah, things were changing. Yeah. Like every week seemed like, like big things, you know, like, well, now you can't go to your restaurants or now no. you have to like, remember to bring
0: your masks into stores. <laughs> right. So we had a question about how the loss of, say, a loved one may differ from something like the loss of a job or freedoms, but it sounds like, like from what we're learning, it's all,
2: it it's can, it's all the same. It's, all, the
0: same, it's all grief. mm mm-hmm. And it's not like it's just one totally, you know, like exclusive. That's cool to know. The same tools work on
2: any type of change or loss. Mm
0: -hmm. But
2: it's trying to get the mind conditioned to actually realize that. Because uh, one of the things, we don't feel like there's options.
1: Mm. Oh, yeah.
2: We don't feel like anybody hears us. And that's the reason why a lot of people don't talk about it. Nobody wants to hear them. But you're not yeah. talking to the right people. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> One of the things we try to do, which is another myth, is we try to replace the loss. But we haven't grieved what we lost.
0: Oh. Is this where we where we get into cycles? When you haven't grieved what
2: you lost, but you, tr- for example, a relationship. Mm-hmm. You break up with someone. You don't mm-hmm. process that breakup. You just go get another guy or a girl or whatever. Mm-hmm. You're never going to be able to accept the new person because you haven't grieved the last
1: okay it doesn't
2: have to take long to do that process but you've got to do it mm-hmm. right yep or else what you resist persists. <laughs> yeah and,
1: and and you know i've had friends who they kind of almost don't even break up with someone until they have another person kind of even lined up like like not even a week before they're like into another relationship even if it's not like you know straight into better anything but you know they're like they're talking to other people and like going on dates and stuff that's terrifying but like how what and, well, and let me the, tell you the, go ahead yeah
2: it's a short-term energy relieving behavior mm. it's what we do we want to avoid feeling
1: mm. okay yes because I, I mean I've talked to, the, to these people and I've been like well you know just give yourself some time like to be alone or or you know just to even process but they feel like they don't need it they don't feel at least what they tell me is that they feel like they've they've made the decision and they don't have, like, they have anything hanging on to the previous relationship. So it's like, mm-hmm. can it really be that fast that they've grieved or at least, like, um, no. the word, like <laughs> had closure? She's <laughs> like, no. no. <laughs> well, that answers that.
2: No, I mean, you really have to sit down and process. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'll give you a, a brief example. I signed up for Match.com, mm-hmm. met somebody and so much and so much familiarity between us i just like oh my gosh maybe mm-hmm. i've met my person we went out on two dates and when i tell you the dates were great but and my feelings mm-hmm. were all in it and then all of a sudden it ended huh. i was hurt and if i hadn't processed that i wouldn't be able to move on to the next person that comes into my life who wouldn't crush my heart mm-hmm. <laughs>
1: Yeah. So you do have to like, look at it, I guess, in a way is like, look at what you are have lost, whether it was, whether it was your choice yeah, or it, not is kind of like what you're saying. Like, even if it was your decision or not, anytime there's a loss or something changes that was not planned out, then, then you should take your, take, take your time to look at it and make sure you process the
2: feelings around it. Yes. And even if you planned it, you still need to do that. And the thing that comes up for me is like adoption. Mm -hmm. You plan an adoption, but you still got to manage around that because um, you're taking in something new. So your life is about to change. But someone else is losing a child. And if you have a heart, you care about them, too. Wow. (laughs)
1: Okay. It's huge. I know. (laughs) My brain's like really (laughs) swimming in all these
0: new (laughs) terms. Mm -hmm. See all the things that we can learn.
2: If you're not learning every day, you're dying. I need to grab a dictionary. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Learn yeah. a new word every day. <laughs> What's that quote from from Shang, er, Shawshank Redemption? Get busy living or sure. get busy dying. I love that
2: movie. Get busy living or get busy dying.
0: <laughs> Heather, where do you see uh the the aftermath of of well, I guess what we're conti- you know, we're what we're still living mm-hmm. with with the pandemic. Do you, I feel like I've I've seen a lot of oh Post-traumatic stress disorder, thrown about, depression, all Mm -hmm. these mental health issues. And that's just for like adults, you know, like 18 plus. Mm -hmm. We're not even talking about kids. And I see that a lot all over the moms groups I'm on. It's Mm -hmm. like my kid is just losing it. They need to see other kids. Uh, What do I do? It's, It's kind of... It's pandemonium. <laughs> what was your question? Oh, sorry. The future. When do oh. you see this going? Like oh, what's I this see. aftermath? Okay. In 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 her opinion.
2: People are going to have to decide to learn how to manage their emotions and do the work on their past. Because I I believe that if you mm-hmm. think about it long enough, every one of us has one relationship that is um causing you emotional pain right now okay and what what happens is i'm sure you can think of more than one but you'd start with the first one that's causing you the most emotional pain and then you just work through each of those relationships moving forward but that what you said something mm-hmm. and i want to address it depression mm-hmm. ptsd those are labels they're not solutions okay. they're real but again they're labels they're not solutions and people hang on to labels
1: so yeah, they they get diagnosed like with like PTSD, and then they just kind of leave it at that, and they continue like, "Well, I just I have this." Is that what you mean? Right. I,
2: I think so. Okay. Exactly. But you gotta it's it's time with action. Time does not heal your wounds. That's why it recycles. And forty years later, mm-hmm. you're still stuck in what happened back in right when time you were twelve.
1: <sighs> I love that you put that two together because yeah, that's true. true. Yeah. You if you, if you just like. Lay in bed, just the time passing isn't gonna fix things
2: or, or heal things. Yeah, no. time in action. I like that. Time, time. For wounds is the biggest myth ever. You
0: have to pick the pieces up of our brains.
2: They're yeah. all scattered I know. all around the- I, know. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Honestly, with the pandemic, people have been dealing with so much grief before the mm-hmm. pandemic hit. Now they're dealing with all of that and the pandemic and everything else yeah. that's happening. Mm-hmm much for any one person. Absolutely. But you also talked about moms and mm-hmm. kids. Moms need to realize that children are yeah. watching them. Everything that they're doing, their child yeah. will model. Because, yeah. And the reason I say that is because between the ages of two and three, we pick up 75% of our coping mechanisms. Oh. And that's from watching, we're not talking. We may be talking a little, but for the most part, we're watching mm-hmm. people. By the time we're 15, 95% of our coping mechanisms are set in stone unless we do something else to intentionally to learn how to manage our emotions. And if you don't, when you're 45 and something triggers you, you act like a (laughs) 12-year-old. Oh, my
0: goodness. Yes, yes, yes. And yes, I need to clap. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, I know that's loud. Oh, my goodness.
2: (laughs) Whoa. That is how serious this is, that people need to make the decision to do the work to manage their emotions. And it's hard to tell somebody at 20, 45, yeah. what have you, you need to unlearn everything you think you know about mm-hmm. how to manage your feelings. But it's not as easy. It's not as hard as you think, because I have patients, I have clients that come to me when they they've like, they're like, OK, I'm ready to do this. And they're scared even for the first session. And it's like, we get there and they're like, oh, <laughs> just <got that> <laughs> All right. they, they don't have any concept of the fact that there is a way to move through yeah. these things. But One of the things that I do and that I love about this program is I model for you. You're not doing anything by yourself.
0: Oh, I love that. That's really that's really awesome. Mm-hmm.
2: I'm not asking you to do anything that I'm not showing you how to do first, or sharing what right. happened to me, so you can feel safe. Yeah, I,
1: I've always found more courage whenever there is someone who I know has been through something similar or is doing it with me. That's yeah. probably why those like mm-hmm. like you know like the fitness challenges mm-hmm. like they work the so well because uh, accountability <laughs> because you're doing it with someone else or you know that someone else yeah you're not alone basically in what you're doing right
2: and i've set up this, this safe container and i'm a listening heart with ears <laughs> no. for them here's the thing people just want to be heard and most of society doesn't want to hear yeah. bad stuff well then that's when you start a podcast and <laughs> no, i'm just
1: kidding but no, you have a really good point people want to be heard
2: <laughs> we live in a grief avoidance society anything bad mm-hmm. people want to shut yep, down
1: it, put it under the covers no one <laughs> needs to see that <laughs> well yeah
2: it's going to come back though and it may come back in a way that you can't handle it you may bring harm to someone else in the world we have to realize that our decisions are not just yep. about us
1: yeah
2: they impact generations whether you have a child yeah. or not every decision we make is impacting the next generation mm-hmm. and we're seeing things immediately when they happen mm-hmm. With a phone, everybody has yes. a phone. <laughs> you know, whatever's happened, it showed up on 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 social media. Yeah,
1: yeah. there's not there's barely when like seriously. Sometimes I have to make the choice not to like <laughs> yeah. look at a screen just because I know I'm gonna be inundated with whatever horrible thing is happening <laughs> in the world. Because that's yeah. what kind of you know seems to be pointed out first. I don't know why they do that. There's usually a th- hundred thousand more awesome things happening than just like the three bad
2: things definitely no but 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 we're we're naturally gravitate to the bad Why is that <laughs> yeah because well because that's just yeah nature we have that's just the natural thing you've got to intentionally do something yeah. different
1: yeah, maybe maybe it's like maybe we're gravitated <laughs> okay. to like to look yeah. so that we can <laughs> learn and not
2: have it repeat <laughs> if we did that then the world would be different and it's not
1: because we're not learning we're not doing the work heather (laughs) well
0: it starts with knowledge knowledge is power
2: Mm -hmm. it is and that's what i love to do i love to just share this education because it shifts people's mindsets
0: it does it really Mm -hmm. it really does yeah i mean we're in our we're in our 30 somethings (laughs) (laughs) and we're learning so much about something that we thought was common knowledge. Right. Yeah,
1: I'm so glad that we have you on.
0: Yeah,
2: yeah. Uh. I'm excited. To talk about it. Most people are like you want to talk about grief. I'm like,
0: yeah, <laughs> <laughs> we don't want. I don't want to talk about sad things. <laughs> <laughs> but eh, my, eh, yeah, I was going to say, oh, did you have anything else you wanted to share that we didn't ask? I talked about a few of the myths. I talked about
2: don't feel bad. That really is you just shutting down your feelings. Mm-hmm. Actually replacing a loss. You can't replace a loss until you've grieved the lo- the thing that is no longer there. Mm-hmm. Right? Grieving alone. We do that a lot. We feel like we've got to go to our room to cry mm-hmm. or we can't cry in front of people. Okay. I have a big problem with
1: that. <laughs> it feels horrible.
0: <laughs>
2: yeah. I mean, because, well, but here's the thing. If you have children, that's what they're going to do when they <laughs> when, uh, when something happens, they're going to go and grieve. And that is not the way that we manage. We need to manage these things. We need to process what has oh happened. And community is where you process that. And when I say community, that could be just one other person.
0: Oh, wow. It's just going to be of you. That's, that's And you've got to find somebody safe that you can talk to. Mm-hmm. That's very important what you just said, I think. Yeah. Just someone so safe,
2: safe. <laughs> tell everybody everything you cannot uh, you're just setting yourself up for failure if you just start talking to anybody. They've got to be somebody that can support you and hold your heart.
0: Heather, this might take us in a weird direction, but what what do you think of people who might not have anyone safe to talk to? Mm-hmm. What do you suggest someone does? Like say they're in an abusive relationship, their kids are out of the house, parents are gone. Or judgmental.
2: <laughs> <laughs> There's a book I would recommend, but here's the other thing that we don't honestly think about: mm-hmm. a book is a very small investment, mm-hmm. but the grief recovery handbook will change your life. A lot of what I've talked about today comes out of that mm-hmm. book.
0: It's not, it's one of the books on that you that you have on your website, right? Right? That you drop down and you can see the recommended book books. Yes, yeah, that is
2: one of the books. Um, you can get it from Amazon, actually. And it is an amazing book, but I suggest that people read that book mm-hmm. if they can't invest further in themselves. Yeah. What I would also say is we need to be open to investing in ourselves so we get better. Mm-hmm. Um a lot of times we'll be like, Well, I can't spend money on that, or they don't um they don't take insurance, so I can't do that. But if somebody said to you, I would give you your life back for, let's just throw a number out, a thousand dollars. What is your life worth to you? Is yeah. it worth a thousand dollars to you? Yeah. Whoa. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because I'm telling you, if you if you were to even just read the book, but if you were to go through the process with a grief recovery method specialist, or mm-hmm. you can actually do it with a partner, but again, you don't know if that person's safe.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Your life is going to change for the
1: better, hopefully.
2: <laughs> Yes. Because from the tools that you get through grief recovery will allow you to manage any thing that changes or that you lose going forward.
0: Which is, is every the- day, all the time. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my
1: gosh. This is bringing definitely like my best friend of like twenty five, twenty six years now. She we, our family is actually adopting her into our family because she lost both her parents. Um, oh, wow. a sev- several years ago, um, at different times too, like you know, it was two different th- things. She just happened to lose them younger, like in her early thirties. Um, mm-hmm. and she thought, like you know, she she cried, she processed it. She thought she was kind of done with it, and then later saw that those gr- grief feelings that weren't processed, that she didn't even know she had processed, she hadn't processed. Mm-hmm. I mean, were recycling into other things in her life, like mm-hmm. she even. Um, got into like you know alcohol God. abuse and stuff like that and and, and mm-hmm. is like now and has been for like a year now um, uh, in recovery oh. she's been sober and she's also been like seeing <clears throat> a therapist in specifically to kind of like cover those grief <clears throat> things that she thought she had dealt with but hadn't really
2: yeah because I I, will, I, I guess I will say it again what you resist persists but mm-hmm. also and is I'm not a mental health professional but um, I will say that we're treating depression, but we're not figuring out what the root cause of the problem is. And grief is not depression. And most people that are diagnosed with depression, yeah, they're really grieving. I can definitely see like, oh, wow, that's heavy information.
1: <laughs> yeah. I, I think I was just shocked mm-hmm. because I thought she had, she, that she had processed it, you know, and she thought she had processed it. I don't think there was anything that she was necessarily resisting. Mm-hmm. So it's, it just blows my mind how sometimes it could be so buried in a way that you don't even realize that you still haven't dealt with something.
2: My mother's been deceased 15 years. If I catch a whiff of her old perfume or I find an old picture, it's going to bring back memories. But because I've done the work, the memories aren't painful. And even if I cry, it's still not painful. Those are tears of joy. How liberating. Yeah, <laughs> how liberating yeah. Is. But if you don't do the work, you can't get to that point. Every time that you experience something you you remember about that person, you just it's just going to pain you to no end, and it's because you haven't said goodbye to the pain. It's not about saying goodbye to the person because you're never going to forget them, right? What right. You're saying goodbye to is the pain, so that you can remember the fond memories, mm-hmm. and you have got to look at both sides of a relationship. And when I say that, I mean you can't. You can't bedevil someone or you can't enshrine them. Hmm. There's good and bad about a person and the relationship mm-hmm. you have with them.
1: Absolutely. And you can't
2: look at the good stuff. You can't just look at the bad stuff. Mm-hmm. But you've got to look at all of it. And mm-hmm. most times we don't do that either. Because even in our best relationships, there's always something that we didn't like. We just never said it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
1: That's yeah. a really good point. <laughs> yeah.
2: Like saying it out loud, <laughs> writing it down, and saying it out loud—as simple as that sounds—does so much for your heart. It's the physical center of the body, but it's also the spiritual center of the body. Mm-hmm. Everything flows from the heart, which is why we can be brain dead, but our heart's still beating. Yeah.
1: Well, we were watching a couple of documentaries in like several months ago. How on on how like the like the heart brain, the brain of the heart. Mm-hmm. How they're yeah. kind of like discovering how there's like a like a like a gut just, brain. There's also yeah. like a heart brain. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's
0: very yeah. cool. I thought that was really cool. I actually just remembered something mm-hmm. that I wanted yeah. to bring up earlier when we were talking about um, about grieving alone. Mm-hmm. I yes. recently heard it was on NPR. And it was... Okay, Carla, uh, we get it. You listen <laughs> to NPR. <laughs> no, well, just to get, so that it, it, someone can search it if they want to listen to the whole thing. It was this office... And I'm trying to think... I think it was one of like the short, the Ted talks mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. Um, it was this police officer from like North Carolina. And he talked about how he, he coined this phrase about respect space. Hmm. Cause mm-hmm. he was an officer here and he, maybe he's an, an, actually I can't remember the, his profession, but he, <laughs> he shows up to like emergency situations. Okay. So he got a call and there was this, woman whose husband was having some sort of like heart attack type thing and he Mm -hmm. passed and she just flew into this like, like tears and broke down on the ground. And Mm -hmm. his reaction was to like touch her Mm -hmm. and try to comfort her a little bit, even though like he's not supposed to, they are supposed to go right into like talking about like the, the next steps. Like what do we do with the
1: body kind of thing? Yeah.
0: And then he's like, yeah, and then a neighbor comes in and he's like, and and they put their arms around her, but the woman recoiled in both mm-hmm. instances. And he's like, the woman kind of just said something to him that he's like, I'm never going to forget. She said, I wish I never called. Whoa. And I don't know, like, obviously how, the tone or how Whoa. she said or anything, but that must have been so impactful for him and what he learned was that there's this space where you have to that you it, that that has to do with respect with letting someone feel mm-hmm. uh, and whatever however uncomfortable that might make you yes that's something that they have to feel and go through and express without like and and it, and it be okay and right. and them just be listened to and be in the presence of that because Ooh. as soon as you approach them like you know like trying to hug them or comfort yeah. them in such a, in such a, in that kind of state, mm-hmm. it's making it about you. Yeah,
1: yeah. I was just gonna say that you kind of put the responsibility of them now having to deal with you in a way, you know. <laughs> so
2: exactly,
0: or interact with you. So what do you think about that, Heather? Has have does that like resonate with with the work you've done?
2: It does. It does two ways. One, uh, when you hug, or even when you shove a box of tissue in front of someone, you <laughs> shut off the emotion. Oh whoa! Again, that that that, that boundary—you are not allowing them to pref- to process, to feel what they're feeling, and that's the thing. We've got to feel what we're feeling in the moment, and no one should stop that. The other piece of that is, yeah, we've got to respect people's boundaries. We do things to feel, make ourselves feel comfortable, which is why we can say things that sound intellectually great, but the receiver doesn't receive it in the way that we intended. Not that we intended harm, yeah. but it's not helping the person in the situation. And so we've got to be careful how the things we say and don't say when people are grieving. Honestly, silence is best because if a person really needs something, they're going to tell you what they need. Mm-hmm. If you really want to help them, just be there and be silent and be okay with silence. But there are so many people who are not okay with silence. So that's yeah. just like foreign.
1: there's a few times you know where my mom and I have had some deep conversations and and she'll cry and it feels super uncomfortable to me so but I just I just let her cry you know I I just sit there and it feels so uncomfortable partially it's because I don't know what to say and I'm in my head I'm like panicking like what do I say and I'm like running through like the dialogue of like what should I say
0: yeah but
1: then I think within that time, it's like, <laughs> oh, I'm realizing, okay, so this is okay to be silent and not right away, like console her and be like, it's okay. Or, you know, or don't cry yeah. <laughs> and all those other typical things that people are, have been taught to say. Right. Um, and, and then it just kind of and happens and she feels it. And then we move on, you know, Right. So yeah, it, it is difficult.
2: It is, but it's not about you. It's about that person. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's what we need to remember. We're trying to make ourselves comfortable when we stop them. Uh, Yes. Which is why the woman recoiled. Mm
1: -hmm.
2: (laughs) She wanted to feel her pain in that moment and she didn't want anybody to stop her. Yeah. The thing is, is we just want to be heard. We want to be listened to. We've got to get comfortable with being uncomfortable. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. Yeah. We gotta get comfortable. I believe that is the only way things are gonna change in this world, until we all become comfortable being uncomfortable.
1: You know, honestly, I think that's kind of what the (laughs) one of the main points of our (laughs) excuse me of have of us having started this podcast is because you know taboo is kind of like in that zone of like people are uncomfortable Mm, talking about certain things yeah but we wanted to be okay to be uncomfortable (laughs) with certain things and still be able to talk about them and process them and live with them in our world kind
2: of thing yeah and that's what manage learning to manage your emotions looks like yeah i mean i'm having the time of my life and people (laughs) are Pain, but I'm, I'm having the time of my life because I'm processing everything that happens when it happens. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so you're living in the now. You know, that's what they say is like the best place to live is in the now. Oh, yeah, yeah you've got to be present. Being able to manage your emotions
0: allows you to be in the present. That's what it sounds. It's sounding like to me. I, I, I'm. 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 learning a lot. <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm just. This is. This conversation is like gives me a lot of hope. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I had. I had something. I, I, that came up, and I don't know what your your time looks like. So, um, I mean, this might be my last thing. No. Okay. <laughs> um, do you think it would be beneficial this this kind of information to be? a part of our education growing up because I know that if this was like sex ed type of part of my curriculum growing up I'd be a different person yeah <laughs> yep <laughs> you know and then it, it and then it just becomes something like you know it's like an, it's
1: it's about giving people and especially the younger kids the tools to to yes. live and to live their day-to-day lives so yes I definitely think it should be <laughs> And, you know, shoved into their faces, like down their throats. This is what your exam is about. Is it important to feel? Yes. (laughs) If someone's in the room, should you cry? Yes. It doesn't matter who's in the room. You can cry in front of Santa Claus if you want. They're going to do that anyway.
2: (laughs) And, you know, don't take tissue out of the tissue box unless you go get it yourself. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Wow. Um, There was there's one
1: thing that I, I kept forgetting to ask was. In terms of, like, you know, how, how you said, like, it's important to cry, even if it's in front of your kids, you know, like, actually do cry in front of your kids. Yeah. So I know the reason that most parents don't cry in front of their children is because they don't want to scare them. And so what is, like, the reasoning behind that? Um, like, you know, I, kids do freak out. It's like, why is mommy crying, you know? <laughs>
2: yeah. And, and I think part of it is, you know, they don't want to scare them. But I think the bigger issue is they weren't taught how to manage their emotions as a child and now they have children. And so they're doing what's been passed down through generations, hiding from things that make us feel bad or stopping things that make us feel bad. If that makes sense.
0: Yeah. Mm -hmm. I did think about what that, that when we were talking about that earlier Mm -hmm. and to me, it's like, okay, so let's say up until now I've taken my cries to my room Mm -hmm. when I'm, and I'm feeling apart. So I don't scare my kid mm-hmm. but then it's like why would it be scary like you haven't set the normal that's true because they're still young enough that they exactly mm-hmm. it would only be scary if you never see it like when i first saw one of my parents cry it scared the shit out of yeah. me yeah yep same yeah because i had yeah. never seen it before i'm like you cry too <laughs> Like something that, must be really, really
1: exactly. wrong for you to be having tears in your eyes. <laughs>
0: exactly. Right now. Like, because I, I, I only, I only went into it with my perspective of, of the world, which is like, you only cry if shit's, shit's going to hit the fan. Mm-hmm. If or is in the fan and Yeah. splattered on the walls. So for your protectors to be in that emotional state, to you must mean the end of the world. Mm-hmm. So, but if you know, if you see them, you know, processing whether it be just feeling a feeling or are crying, mm-hmm, or happy tears, or just then, worried, and it, then it, then it, I feel like then that opens, opens this like, this space mm-hmm. for you to be able to talk to your kids, right? And have a- like I'm feeling this, and then That's take it why from I'm crying, yeah. yeah,
2: right? Because the the things that parents are experiencing, the child may experience too on a different level, mm-hmm. but they will do it when it happens versus not knowing what to do and then choosing the wrong thing, yeah. but it's. Needs to be part of education. Yeah. People learn how to manage their emotions. I think in schools now they're doing social emotional learning.
0: Mm-hmm. Not sure,
2: You know, I'm not sure what that really is. I'm far removed from K to twelve, but uh, <laughs> I would say that um, actually there is another book. Since you talked about books that were on there, that's called When Children Grieve, and it's a book of mm-hmm. teaching adults how to help their children manage their emotions. Yeah. Ooh, and I actually thousand. also facilitate that program as well, but that book has a dual impact because what happens is you're learning how to help your child manage their emotions, but then you also realize, wow, there's I, this happened to me and I still am dealing with that.
0: Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah.
2: yeah. It gives, it gives the parent the ability to work through their past, but also help their child, which is our future.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think right now what they're teaching in social emotional is more geared toward, yeah, your relationships with like being able to to have empathy and mm-hmm. relate, relating with others. Oh, okay. I think that's vaguely just like social relationships. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's what I, what I see. It's happy and not the bad stuff. Yep. Exactly. <laughs> that's why I'm like, this is this is a little this is different <laughs> than than what I think is is going on right mm-hmm. now. Ooh, let's talk about your podcast, mm-hmm. if you'd like. <laughs> yeah, if you'd like. <laughs> did you guys listen to it?
2: Yes. We listened to yeah. Yeah, grief unplugged. And I will say that I did that podcast, those eight episodes before mm-hmm. I actually came into grief recovery work. I was really just doing grief coaching and focusing on my mother's death. I hadn't even realized that I was still grieving my parents' divorce. Oh, wow. Hmm. I am in the process of, I'm, th- I'm so glad you asked me. I'm in the process of actually reviving that podcast. Oh. So I develops all types of grief because huh. the the first eight episodes only talked about death. And I have realized that grief encompasses so much else, so mm-hmm. much more of our lives. And again, it shows up every day. Yeah. And I, I really
0: believe people need that. Yes, we were listening, and I was, yeah. i just said out loud, "I'm like she needs to do this m- more. Yeah. We, yeah. Need, we people le- need to listen to this." I was like, "I'm following. I
1: need to listen to yeah. this." She's like, "If she if she comes back, she's like, I am so listening." And we, we are <laughs> legit ec- ecstatic that you just told us this news. Yeah. No, I'm sharing with with everyone I know. <laughs> yep. We're like, you need to hear it. <laughs> yeah.
2: yeah, yeah, it's amazing. Yeah, because I feel like if you never invest in yourself, this podcast is probably will change your life if you never buy the book or you never do the work you can listen to the podcast and still get results mm-hmm. and still get the tools that you can practice and start to um become yeah. start to become habit in your life
1: right right and I I truly admire people who take like a passion that they have for helping people and they don't like like yes it's important I think to sustain yourself, you know, but that also have other information available for the, for those who can't, you know, pay for a book or, or even know how to
0: get online to get it, you know? (laughs) I, I will say I find it hard to look for help, Mm -hmm. like genuinely, like if say I'm looking for a counselor or a therapist, what my first thought is, okay, I can do a Google search or I guess I can go to my insurance if you, if you know, if you have what it and go see what therapists are. available. like, there's this, what feels like 10 step process mm-hmm. to even find the kind of people that might be able to help you. Right. There's, mm-hmm. it's so hard. I feel like to, to access that, to, to, to just cross that bridge mm-hmm. of getting help. And I think we're, you know, just on that cusp uh, of like making it a little bit easier to go from i need help to mm-hmm. actually being able to access that mm-hmm. cuz yeah if you break your arm you know you can yeah. call 911 you know you could go to an emergency room it's a, it's so much more ex- like that line mm-hmm. yeah help me with my words <laughs> yeah. No, yeah. <laughs> you know <laughs> is so much clearer mm-hmm. in my mind of how to get that help yes as opposed to like for my mental health like mm-hmm. there's all these, it's just, I it feels like barrier upon barrier. Yeah. So like all
1: these steps. And
0: I think p- podcasts are actually a really great way to start that. Yep. And to get yep. your resources, to,
1: to cast a wider net of mm. so people can find it easier, faster. Like you said, like, like with the that process of just like going to the hospital mm. or calling 911, you know, you can mm-hmm. just, here's the podcast episode on grieving a, a, a lost pet, you know, and then, you have all your information there so it's like then you find the person that you need easier and faster yes, Yeah, I've gotten
0: resources just from podcasts like mm-hmm. you search what you're looking for mm-hmm. but anyway
2: I, I think there's two things I want to share before we yes. leave um, one is stop trying to be strong for others because you're killing yourself and you can't help someone if you're not wearing your oxygen mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That whole airplane thing. Yep. 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 And the, the last thing is, keeping busy, doesn't help you either, because what you resist, persists.
0: That's excellent. Mm-hmm. Thank you so much, Heather. You're
2: welcome. I have enjoyed talking with you guys and just <laughs> dropping these nuggets. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> us too. Let's
0: let's let's plug your stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, where can, where can uh, people find you? It's Instagram,
2: Facebook. I'm Heather D. Horton. Don't forget the D. I am also Grief Unplugged on Apple Podcasts, Google Play. I think it's Google Podcasts now. And uh, SoundCloud. I think you're on Spotify too. I think that's where I found yeah, you. that's where I was listening. Oh, okay. Thanks for telling me. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I think I mentioned this at the beginning. I'm a lawyer by training. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I am having a station today but um my website www.heatherdhorton.com is geared towards lawyers but the concept is because here's here's why i did that Mm -hmm. nobody's checking for lawyers but we're carrying everybody else's burdens so i'm Mm -hmm. providing stigma-free well-being in the form of hey this is grief this is not mental health let's focus on the root and not the symptoms yeah wow the same message runs for everyone. So if you go to HeatherDHorton.com, you're going to see lawyers and it's like, why am I here? But <laughs> that was my first little website that I found out. I was like, oh,
1: am I in the right thing? <laughs> the, is
2: the same, no matter what. But if you, I would recommend that people go to griefrecoverymethod.com. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to put a plug out for all other grief recovery method specialists in the world. I'm not the mm-hmm. only one. Love you me. can scroll down the page, put your zip code in, and you can find somebody that can provide you with value.
0: That is wonderful, Heather. <laughs> yeah. And even within the first two to three episodes of your of your podcast for "What's Up Right Now," you mention, or yes, it was in the podcast organization called the Dinner Party Table Organization. I love them. Like that. Yeah. It 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 was it's it sounds so great. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. It's right up, you know, our alley for our, our age, age group. It looks like. So yeah. there's, there, there's a lot of, there's like a wealth of, of knowledge. A fountain. Yeah. So follow, follow Heather.
2: Yes, please. Ma'am. I'm here to support you. I'm here to hold your heart.
1: You um, will, <laughs> you are an incredible person and I love the work that you're doing. And yes. you know, Thank, thank you. you.
0: Yeah. <laughs> thank you.
1: We'll keep you in our thoughts for, you know, to ha- to give you all the strength you need to keep helping all the, those people that come to you <laughs> that are ready for the work.
2: <laughs> I appreciate that. Thank you so much. And I, I I thank you for this platform and being able to speak on your podcast. And the fact that you all speak about issues nobody wants to talk about. That is amazing. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yes, so we're we're slowly but surely getting there you know we started out real messy but we <laughs> <laughs> again there and that's part of that's actually something we will probably cover in the future just how not everything yeah. is so perfectly laid out that it's it's, it's the intention too that counts
2: that's yeah. what drew me to want to be on the podcast really when i read your what it was about i was like oh yeah i need to be on
0: there oh that's awesome <laughs> <laughs> that's really great that's awesome (laughs) thank you thank you again thank you so so much for for um for joining us yeah i definitely enjoyed it we're gonna we're gonna end this one like we always do we're wishing you a great week Mm -hmm. but mostly have Have a a shitty shitty week
2: week. (laughs) okay thank you
0: that was our interview with heather d horton we hope you learned a lot Mm -hmm. book her look her up send her an email instagram her Whatever it is that you want, the way that you want to reach out, I suggest you do. Yeah. Let her know if you'd be interested in hearing more of what she has to say in podcast form because I'm
1: I'm really hoping she gets that going again. Me too. I want to hear some more. Mm -hmm. Me too. Cool. So So, thank you for listening, listeners. See you next or hear hear us next time.
0: On the Body Mouth (laughs) Podcast. The Body Mouth. Body Mouth. (laughs) All right. All right. Thank you for listening. Have Have a shitty shitty week. week. This episode was brought to you by GMS Plumbing. Traditional values, modern work. Serving Chicagoland's plumbing, sewer, and water needs. GMS Plumbing.